dear friends in Jesus, I'd like to shed some light, some gospel light on a topic or two this morning. Uh, and, I, and I ask you to hear me all the way out. Too much is at stake. We're talking about the eternal welfare of immortal souls. Too much is at stake for us not to be educated by the gospel on these topics. So I stand before you today uh, not as a human biology major or one possessing a doctorate of, of sociology. I'm neither a scientist nor a political scientist. Um, I do not claim to be an expert in genetics or in anthropogeography. But I do know God's Word. I, I do know that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and that God has revealed His divine wisdom to us in His Word. I know that as the Bible claims for itself, it is completely reliable and that we would do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. So I want, I want to begin by reading to you a quote from the book called When Harry Became Sally. Not the movie, When Harry Met Sally, but the book When Harry Became Sally. The quote is from a transgender individual who, while born a biological woman, later in life after a series of surgeries, transitioned into identifying as a man, and then later again in life detransitioned. Listen to her as she writes of herself and many like her. We transitioned for a lot of different reasons. Many of us transitioned due to trauma. We lived through events terrible enough that it damaged our sense of self, and so we created a new self to cope and survive. That self was our trans or male or genderqueer identity. We transitioned because we got raped because we're incest survivors, because we faced violence for being lesbians, because we were locked up in psych wards, because one of our parents killed themselves. Sometimes bad things happen to us just for being female in a culture where women are violated every day, and, and sometimes bad things happen because we're the wrong kind of woman, maybe too butch or masculine or loud or unemotional. One way or another, we didn't fit in with what other people in our culture expected women to be. And sometimes our bodies themselves were deemed not female enough and treated as if they were freakish. That happened to me because I had traits like an Adam's apple, body hair, an angular face, and so on, leading many to speculate on what sex I was. Eventually, other people's judgments got inside my head and infected how I saw myself until I started questioning whether I was really female too. Right. There's, there's much more that I could read, but I hope you got the point. The point is that for many who today struggle with their sexual identity, these are issues, real issues, that by no fault of their own, by no choice of their own, they were either born into a situation with these issues and or were subjected to acts of cruelty and brutality that led to these issues arising. Issues that they'd rather not have. Issues that have led them to do a great deal of soul searching, led to a lot of inner turmoil and confusion and emotional train wrecks 
issues that ought to cause us as Christians to, to pause a moment and to pray. Uh, to pray for wisdom, pray for understanding, pray for compassion. Pray that instead of being so quick to curse the darkness, the Lord might rather lead us to light a lamp. The, the lamp of the gospel, that it might shed some peace and some hope and some love and some light to the troubled souls that, that surround us in our world today. I'd like to share with you a second quote. This one is much shorter. It's taken from an op-ed article that was um, written and, and posted in the New York Times. It's written by an individual named Andrea Long Chu. Listen to how she expresses her pain. She writes, dysphoria, uh, which is the current term for what we commonly know as transsexuality. Dysphoria feels like being unable to get warm no matter how many layers you put on. It feels like hunger without appetite. It feels like getting on an airplane to fly home only to realize mid-flight that this is it. You're going to spend the rest of your life on an airplane. It feels like grieving. It feels like having nothing to grieve. See, in, in the case of many of those who struggle with gender identity issues, it, it's just not accurate to say that they made this conscious choice to, to be this way. Uh, who, who would choose this? The confusion, the inner turmoil are real. Uh, the pain that they experience is sad. To hear of that pain is, is heartbreaking. Do you know that 40% of people who struggle with gender identity issues have attempted suicide at some point in their life? That's a tremendously high number, nearly half. One teacher put it this way, a school teacher wrote, When each year begins, I ask my students to fill out an information card so I can get to know them. One of them answered the question, What's something interesting about you with, I'm trans? And the question, What do I need to know about you to help you succeed? was answered with, I'm super mentally ill. One of the fruits of our faith to which the Lord often calls us to in His Word is compassion. And the root meaning behind compassion is to put yourself in that other person's shoes. And imagine what it would be like spending a day at the office or walking around the halls of school wearing their clothes, wearing that hairdo, their fingernail polish, Imagine going home at the end of a long day, exhausting day, and, and then trying to get some rest some, in your downtime, looking at the Facebook page or the Instagram post posted there by others, and then trying to lay your head to sleep at night with all of those, those comments, those questions, those emotions swirling around in your head trying to get some sleep that night. Another issue that many of us um, it, it, I mean, it's been a hot-button topic for quite a while, and many of us maybe have uh, pretty strong opinions about it, and we're quick to voice them, is the topic of immigration, and particularly illegal immigration. And again, for many of those who are here among us as immigrants, whether here legally or illegally, they are here not so much by choice as by circumstance. Very often, circumstances that are 
Uh, very sad and tragic were you to hear of them. Circumstances that are actually the result of forces of nature and or of history that are really far beyond their control. And now that they're here, their daily struggle is not necessarily so much of trying to figure out how to provide for themselves and their families in a foreign culture, in a foreign language, but rather a struggle of purpose and identity. I mean, everything that they had, they had known about themselves, all of those things that they were familiar with, it, it, it's all been taken away from them. Many of those things that they found a great deal of purpose and identity in, their, their homes, their jobs, their hobbies, their interests, their, their community, in some cases, their possessions and their families, that's the things that you and I find a great deal of our identity and purpose commonly in too. It's all been taken away. And their children, their grandchildren, most of whom, many of whom have, were born here, only know life in America, speak English. Their struggle is maybe even, even harder. They don't identify with the culture of their parents or their grandparents, but they're also not welcomed by their fellow Americans. They're like fish out of the water, both in the home and outside the home. They don't fit in. They don't belong. They're like a people without a people to call their own. Do you ever find yourself cursing the darkness? <laughs> Grumbling and arguing about how warped and crooked this generation is. Illegal immigration. The LGBTQ community. Divorce. Abortion. Addiction. Substance abuse. And all of those who perpetuate it. Nah. Damn the darkness. You might not know someone who struggles with sexual identity or cultural identity. You might not know anyone personally. But you know people, maybe secretly most often, but you know people who are struggling and hurting. A divorcee, a single parent, children of divorced parents, someone struggling with uh, emotional, um, emotional issues or uh, a, a physical handicap or mental health issues, maybe an elderly individual who, and perhaps because of some poor choices they made along the way, now find themselves daily alone, unnoticed, unloved, seemingly uncared for. God, in His love, has, has placed us here into the lives of others for a reason. These people, they're not all people that um, are in their situation because of a direct result of some sin or series of sins, necessarily. These are not necessarily issues that plunge people into a state of spiritual darkness, but these are all people who need the light of Christ to brighten and, and cheer their souls. These people do all need us 
to light a lamp around them far more than they need us to curse the darkness that's already around them. The Lord has left us and placed us here as 21st century Christians not to um, sit around and gripe to one another about how warped and crooked our society is. The Lord's left us here not so that we can gripe to one another uh, about how deep the darkness is, but rather to shine like stars in the midst of it. Listen again to our lesson. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that we, become, we can become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Grumbling and complaining about how crummy life is or how messed up the world is these days or, or, or how messed up people's lives are in our world today, that's not, that's not all that unique. Really, everybody does it. In fact, many of those who themselves are in the darkness and are perpetuating the darkness, they do that too. Judgment is not unique to Christians. Judgmentalism is not unique to the Christian message. Grace is. The undeserved, unconditional love of God is. Um, a message of peace and hope and forgiveness in Christ. These are unique to Christianity. And, and God in His love invites us to, to lean into His love. In other words, He invites us, let your gospel light shine. Shine like stars in the universe. Not, not with the idea of, well, I'm the squeaky clean individual in this otherwise sin-darkened world, but rather as sources of, of hope and love and understanding and forgiveness in Jesus and allowing that to, to, to shine through as the love of Christ and the gospel shines through. Is it... Is it fair that Christianity is best known out there for what we don't believe in? What we don't believe is right or good or true? Is it fair that we're best known for what we, what, what we curse and condemn? I don't believe it's fair. I, I, and yet if we kind of reflect a little bit, maybe on some of the conversations that we have had, maybe if we reflect a bit on some of the public communication that we either as individuals or even as the church have made, maybe, maybe we have contributed in some ways to that reputation. We've given people on the outside the right to have that impression of the Christian church and of Christians. It may be fair that, that people have that impression of the Christian church, but it is not fair to Christ or to the gospel. The, the gospel is a message of love. The, the love of a God who, who rescues, who delivers, who saves, who redeems. The love of a God who so identifies with the pain of, of the sinner that he, he came into our world and and took that sin upon himself 
to, to atone for it, to, to redeem us from it. The love of a God who, who literally went to hell and back to provide for us redemption and forgiveness and identity as His children, washed clean of all of their sin in the blood of Jesus. The love of a God who, in His grace, has, has taken away your sin, my sin. I mean, that's what you love about Him. You cherish Jesus as your Savior from your sin. Jesus is the light of the world. And when he came into this world and he walked among us, read the Gospels, he, he caused that light to shine in some, some rather dark places, didn't he? he? He spent time with prostitutes. He welcomed invitations to have meals in the home of public, notorious sinners sitting around their kitchen tables. He once stepped in the way in defense of uh, an adulterous woman caught in the act, not to justify or excuse or give license to her sin, but to have the opportunity to assure her of his forgiveness and of his love. Do the notorious sinners in your life know this about their Savior, your Savior? Do they know that God loves them unconditionally? When given the opportunity to speak with them, do you do so? Do you speak that truth in love, in your interactions with them, in your demeanor, in your, in your body language? Do they, do they hear a curse or do they see Christ? Do they experience condemnation or compassion? It's rather interesting, actually, if you, if you really were to think about it, that, uh, to realize that many of these kind of people that we're, that we're thinking about and talking about this morning, they, they probably can relate to Jesus better than most of us can. I mean, Jesus, as you think about his life, who was largely publicly rejected and ridiculed, who was mocked behind his back and and teased and, t and, and, and taunted to his face, who was condemned publicly, who was betrayed, who was crucified, who was forsaken by everyone, even his own father. Do you think that many of these people know that about your Savior, their Savior? Do you think that's maybe the first thing that we would say to them, given the opportunity? Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Do you think many of them have heard that the Bible says this to them? 
Do you think many of them have been given the opportunity to have extended to them through a Christian the invitation that Jesus extends to them? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and, and I will give you rest. Again, instead of cursing the darkness, let's light a lamp, right? Let's let that light shine. Let the light of Jesus shine through us. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and then walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in, in goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. What pleases the Lord is compassion, humility, understanding, forgiveness. What pleases the God of love is love. What pleases the God of mercy is mercy, which triumphs over judgment. Now, please don't misunderstand me. We must speak the truth. And in no way am I suggesting that we water down the truth, that we try to deny the truth. Sin is sin, and in time the sinner must be called to repentance. What I am saying is in this world of darkness, we as Christians are uniquely suited and called by the Lord to, in the words of our lesson, hold out the word of life that we speak the truth in love, in the love of a Savior who is infamously known as the friend of sinners. A Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And that takes love and understanding and compassion and patience and time. And of course, as we go about seeking to do this, there will still be those who will misinterpret our good intentions. There will be those who, in in spite of whatever love you try to do it with, will misunderstand the truth that you're seeking to communicate and equate that to bigotry and discrimination and judgmentalism. But on the other hand, there will be those, maybe even in our own Christian circles, maybe even within your own church, that will mistake the love that you're seeking to demonstrate and equate that with condoning sin and caving into the ways of this world and liberalism. Is that a risk that you're willing to take? Jesus was. Jesus did. Are you willing to risk being misunderstood by those who already know Christ, so that those who are dying from the inside out because they don't know him might just come to understand him and his love and his peace and his forgiveness and his truth. I hope and pray that more and more of us are. Let your light shine. Shine like stars in the night sky. Instead of cursing the darkness, Light a lamp, the lamp of the gospel, the lamp of Christ's love.